Well, last Sunday, I asked a question, how many of you are satisfied with your job? That, that may be a, a bit of a loaded question, because it may depend on what day I ask you that. But if you think about how satisfied are you with your job, whether it's being at home or construction, driving a truck, running a business, sometimes you may feel like, I just love this job. And other times you may feel like you don't. And this last week I was listening on the radio and I think it was some advertisement was saying that 70% of people in the United States are unhappy with their jobs. Oh, that's pretty depressing. When you think about it, people going to work, maybe feeling impressed that I've got to earn the money, provide for my family, but I'd really rather be doing something else. But whether or not we love our job, tolerate our job, don't like our job, all of that is really subordinate to the highest calling of our work in this world. And all of these things, these earthly things, change when we hear these words from the mouth of Jesus, follow me. In Matthew chapter 4, we had talked about that passage where Jesus was coming along the Sea of Galilee, and he looked at these men who were fishermen. That was their job, whether they liked it or not. And he said two words, follow me. It is probably the the simplest command in all of the Bible, and yet the most difficult. Follow me. To leave their nets, to leave their occupation, to leave their home, and to follow him. And that is the will of God for all of us. Whether you're a doctor, lawyer, business person, or loading docks, or missionary overseas, or pastor, or whatever, God has given this call through his son to each one of us, follow me. And that is what we call a disciple. A disciple, the word means one who follows the teaching. And this is what we've been talking about the last several weeks, and I think is the core of why we exist on this earth. It's what we do. We'll talk a little bit in a few weeks about the way that we do it, loving God and loving others. That's what we call the great commandments. That's the spirit, the way that we live out that responsibility. But if we we talk about the task, what am I to do? It really overarches every job, every job description, description, every strategic plan, every to-do list is really viewed in this way that we are called to follow him. And so as I look at mostly believers here, I think people that have put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, we define my life as following Jesus, being a follower, to ask myself, am I following him? And then am I helping others to do the same? It's as simple as that. You say, I just feel so inadequate in discipling someone else. I think most of us do. But as we talked about last week, it is basically encouraging someone else along that same path. In some way, encouraging them along that same path. The text that we're going to look at again this morning is Matthew 28, 19 through 20. And As we look at this, I want you to notice these words. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, 
baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So we've talked about it in, in this way, and this will be my prayer as a pastor for, for you. Number one, that you be a follower of Jesus, that you come to know him in a personal, real, intimate way. Not just know about religion or just know about doctrine, uh, just know about church, but that you have a real, vital, personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And that's really what it means. Follow me is come be with me. Live your life with me. Keep in step with me. Come to know me. Have a vital relationship with Jesus Christ. From that, my prayer is this, that you will encourage others to do the same. That's what we call making disciples. It could could take the form of, you know, going through a study guide or a material Or you say, well, I'm not ready to go through all these things. But it it could be as much as coming alongside a young person in this church and encouraging them in their walk with Christ. And all of us can do that. All of us can do that. As I said, follow me. It's simple. It's not easy. It's simple. All of us can follow Jesus. And all of us can encourage someone else to do the same. Would you agree with that? I mean, we can do that. Now, there's a third part of this that can tend to be overwhelming when it says, to the ends of the earth. I'm thinking, oh, wait a minute. We're talking Uganda? We're talking all of these places? Are we physically responsible to accomplish all of that? The answer really is yes. And it seems overwhelming it seems impossible, and we, we struggle with how are we going to accomplish that. Seven billion people in the world. And I'm sure many of you, will, there are cities on the map and countries on the map that you have never heard of. Isn't that true? There are cultures and groups of people all over this world we don't even know. How do we respond? I can respond to, okay, I'm going to follow Jesus. <laughs> And I'm going to respond to, I'm going to encourage others in whatever way that I can to follow Jesus. But when we talk about going to the ends of the earth, we feel that this is a bit impossible. This is a a struggle. So now, if I were to maybe use an illustration, thank you, Noah, for coming in because I was going to have you come up here. See what happens when you walk out? You become my illustration. You don't even know what I've been set up to this point, but you're going to get this part. Okay, if I were to say, I want to give you some money. Okay, now, by the way, this is for pretend, okay? <laughs> this is not for real, okay? So, in a pretend world, I'm going to give you a choice. I have a bag here, and in this bag, I have cash and bills, $100 bills. $100,000, okay, $100,000. Now, you think about that. Now, you may not be able to buy a house with that today. You used to be able to. You could buy a really cool pickup. Um, <laughs> but if I were to say, I'm going to give you a choice. 
of giving you $100,000 right now, and you can take it and, and, and go home with it. Or I'm going to give you a penny. But with this penny, I'm going to promise to double it every day for a month, okay, for 31 days. Okay, so tomorrow, two pennies, and then four pennies, and then eight pennies. Very exciting, isn't it? And then we get to 16 pennies. So I won't go much past that while I'm in front of people. So either $100,000 cash right now or a penny with a promise that it's going to double for 31 days. Which one would you take? Um, (laughs) Okay, the cash. I think most of us would because you have it right now and 16 cents after a few days doesn't add up to much. But do you know how much this penny will be worth in 31 days if I double it? You can do it on your calculator later. later. Over $10 million. That would be 100 of those bags. 100 of those bags. That's a lot. Okay? So choose wisely, grasshopper. See if you can snatch the penny from my hand. (laughs) Okay, thanks. Now, I know when I did that, I said that to Diane the other day. She said, no. And I didn't offer her the real money either, but she immediately pulls out her calculator, and sure enough. Now, I could see Bill, because he's an accountant down here. He would have taken the penny right away. But think about this. How does the gospel message, when we think of something more important than cash, the good news of eternal life, reach 7 billion people? And it is the power, we call it in the financial world, of compounding interest, but it is exponential growth. And here's my point. When you invest in one person at a time, This is where discipleship works. It's not, you know, we think of the the grand scheme, let's come up with a huge program and we're going to do this and this, we're going to fly over here and organize this. You're not going to get as much accomplished as if you invest in one person's life. One person's life. When that life has been changed by the power of God's Word and His Spirit to be a follower of Christ, it will explode around the world. And that's how we can impact to the ends of the earth. When I think of the New Testament what it, the, and how the disciples early on were sharing the gospel, and we talk about how, how are we going to do this? We'd, we'd call it methodology. What, what is the methodology of it? And before I get into what, what are popular methodologies, I just want to say what I've become, I've been convinced about this since the time I was probably 18 because I saw it happening, and I, and I believe it more passionately and more fervently than ever in my life before that the way to reach the world with the gospel is one life at a time, investing in people and making them disciples. And, and I would argue my point from Scripture. Uh, I would argue my point from the example of Jesus. 
because that's exactly what Jesus did. You think three and a half years, and what did he do? He spent time with 12 guys. I mean, and then before he goes to the cross, they're gone. You think, what can 12 men do? And it's interesting how that in Acts chapter 4, it described the disciples. It, it said that the people looked at them and took note of them because they were unlearned men. In other words, they weren't professional people. They were fishermen. He said, but they took note that they had been with Jesus. So when they've been discipled by Jesus, in other words, they spent all their time with him, they began looking like him. That they, they began living like him. And they took note. It's an amazing thing that they have the characteristics of Jesus. And then it says later on about these men, this is after Jesus had ascended into heaven, it says they turned the world, this is Acts 17, verse 6, they turned the world upside down. Now, How can a group of fishermen turn the world upside down? Because one man discipled one man, discipled one man, one woman discipled one woman. And you say, it wasn't, I don't find any place of a little red book that they went through. I don't find any certain program that they got a certificate for. But it was this, pouring into someone else, encouraging someone else, helping someone else, going along in the journey. None of us are perfect. If we wait until we're perfect and have full knowledge to help someone else grow, we'll never do it. But the moment you become a Christian, you can encourage someone else to become a Christian. The moment you begin following Jesus, you can encourage someone else to follow Jesus. Come along. This is what the Apostle Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. I'm an imperfect man. Follow me. I'm following Christ. And so that's exactly the way the Apostle Paul lived his life, all of the apostles, all through the ages of the church. And I think sometimes in, in we, we, young men, young women get called into ministry and say, I just, I just want to go do something. So we go out, I'm going to build a church. Did you know this, that Jesus never told us to build a church? He didn't. In fact, he said, I will build my church. <laughs> so we don't do what he's promised to do. What he has told us to do is follow me and and go make disciples. In other words, you help others. That's what we do. And when we're doing that in his way, he will build his church. I believe this, that if there's one thing that I, my prayer is that will characterize your life is that you follow Jesus and you help others to do the same. If there's one thing that characterizes Valley Community Church. You say, well, what's unique about this church? What are you focused on? What, do you, you know, what is it about the church that's so great? That's our heart. One life at a time. Following Jesus, helping others do the same to the ends of the earth. That is our prayer. Now, I'd like to just review a, a few what I call modern-day methods. And uh, I'm going to give you uh, five of these. I'll, just, uh, I'll list them up in a moment here. And uh, none of these are wrong. In other words, uh, in fact, we're probably, we probably do all of these, but it, it, it's a matter of emphasis. When we gather together, what do we emphasize? What do we focus on? I think one of the popular modern-day methods is attraction. And 
This would be having a big event. We, we're going to muster all of our resources, our finances, our people, and we are going to launch something big. And there are churches that do that. We are going to have the best band in the city, the best speaker in the city. Now, you did have a good band this morning. The speaker has at Valley, it would be a little bit of a struggle there. But we're going to have the best children's ministry, um, coffee shop in the front. Now, none of these things are wrong. I'm all for great music and great preaching and a coffee shop <laughs> and wonderful children's programs. But the idea is we're going to make this so attractive, people are going to want to come. And so we even do surveys asking people, if you come to church, this is a very popular marketing strategy. If you were to come to a certain church, what would you like? Well, I'd like this, this, and this. And so they get all of that and narrow it down to five things that people really want, they really like, and that's what we're going to give them. Now, what motivates that? Now, we don't know every motive, but I think there can be a very good motive for this in that you want to get as many people in one place to hear the good news of Jesus Christ and be saved. And, and to me, that's commendable. But we have to remember that the Great Commission is not go see people saved. It is not evangelism. It is making disciples. So the problem can become that once you entertain people, then what it takes to get them there is going to take to keep them there, for one. If we're just getting people coming to Christ and being saved, being saved, being saved, being saved, then we're, we're not fulfilling the core of the Great Commission. Follow me, help others to follow me. It's more than that. Now, evangelism is part of it. Uh, baptism, we read in there, it's part of that. Uh, teaching them all things is part of that, but at the heart of it, it is making a disciple. I don't know how many of you have heard of uh, Dawson Trotman. Anybody here? Maybe a few heard Dawson Trotman. Uh, he is a book about his life, Born to Reproduce. He's an incredible guy. He was saved uh, as a young man. This is back a number of years ago. He's, he's with the Lord. But he started a ministry to servicemen in San Diego. And he saw countless sailors getting saved. And I'll and I tell you what, there, for me, there is nothing more exciting than seeing someone come to Christ. And he was seeing all of these sailors uh, making what he felt really good, solid decisions to trust in Jesus Christ. But then as time went on, he'd be going down in the street and he'd be witnessing to another guy and he'd see this guy coming out of the bar drunk. And he said, he got saved last week or he got saved last month. And so what, what he was finding is that, that, that even though they were seeing a lot of conversions, they weren't really seeing a lot of changed lives. And he thought, this is a problem. And that's when the, na the Navigators, the ministry that he started, you've probably heard of the Navigators, he started the, the ministry of the Navigators. And it was on college campuses, on, on ships with uh, sailors and with military people, was focused on disciple-making. And so, yes, part of it is leading someone to Christ, but then we're going to get you into a personal, real, vital, meaningful relationship with Jesus Christ. And we're going to continue building, building, building. And that's what lasts. And that's how Dawson Trotman got moved into to that arena. Converts who are not helping others are not fulfilling 
what we call the Great Commission. So now, do I think we're gonna we have signs out in front. I don't know if anybody sees them when they drive by on baseline. Uh, sometimes I wonder, you know, we could have flashing lights. So in a, in a sense, we too want to be attractive. So I'm not against attraction. We want to have good music and good preaching and good children's ministry and good youth, and we want people to be attracted in here. But at the heart and soul of the core of what we do is investing in people one life at a time. That is what we do. Following Jesus, helping others to follow Jesus. Another approach is education. And typically we would say that a high, a high uh, value is placed upon Bible study. And, and if you know me, I'm, I'm very committed to studying the Word of God. I, you hear from me constantly, being in the Word, being in the Word, being in the Word. But if all we do is study and it doesn't translate into building into the lives of other people, and other, we, we sit, soak, and sour. And I've been in a lot of churches like that where a premium is placed upon how many degrees the pastor has. Where did you go to seminary? Um, what was your grade point average? I've never had anybody thankfully ask me that. But uh, I can tell you this, and I shared, I think, last week, I've gone through the whole academic uh, course um, to a terminal degree, and there's not, I don't think anybody in any place I've ministered has cared. <laughs> People do not care about that. Yet, I find when I talk to some ministries, oh, we want to get this pastor from this seminary and has this degree and this degree, and uh, he is a great Bible expositor, and he can explain all the Greek and the Hebrew words, and is very, he's very intellectual. So a high degree on intellectual. Knowledge is not an end. Knowledge is the means to an end. Knowledge gives us the capacity to have, see a life changed. But if all we're doing is reading and learning facts and filling our heads without a transformed life or conveying that to someone else by encouraging them to see a transformed life, it's going to be in vain. And you know this, that it's something I want. My, in fact, this last week I was speaking to our elders of what ways can we, we have to educate, to train, to develop our church families and doctrine and marriage relationships and how to share your faith, uh, how to disciple someone. So I, I think that I'm not trying to say we don't need a, a high respect for education, for doctrine, and for study. But if that's all we have, and that's what we're known for, uh, we're not going to be fulfilling the Great Commission. The next is social action. Meeting the needs of community, of people in the community. And I think this is a very good thing. Caring for the poor, the down and out, the sick, people who are given to addictions. And And I honestly think so many churches are not doing enough because that is the way Jesus functioned. He was not only caring about their souls, he was caring about their practical needs. And I think that a lot of churches that are very strong and healthy doctrinally fail to do this. They take up good causes. But the problem is if they let the core drift, then there's going to be a problem. They forget forget that, that doctrine does matter and the word does matter. And then the last one that I want to just mention as far as popular ways is doing life together, which I'd call home church, homeschool, uh, and I don't think that anyone would say those things are bad. In fact, uh, I think there can be a lot of benefits, but it can tend, if we're not careful, to develop an isolationist 
type of, or a bunker mentality. In other words, you know what, this world's getting so bad, we're just meeting at our house this week, and we're just going to be encouraged. <clears throat> and that's good. But you've got to realize, too, that we've been placed in this world as salt and light. And if we don't fulfill that responsibility of sharing our faith, then we failed. One of the things with Christ, <clears throat> excuse me, you see this, you see this over and over. He was always going to be with unbelievers, wasn't he? He, he, he made the disciples very uncomfortable. He definitely made the uh, Pharisees uncomfortable. But Jesus could, could move about with people who were pagan, who were religious hypocrites. He was able to understand the world. Now, to me, there's a balance as a parent of protecting your children, but also helping them prepare to be engaged with the world as salt and light to be able to make a difference. So doing life together is more of the, we're going to get together and we're just going to try to be a, a good example to everyone else, but they can miss it as well. So we come to the final one, disciple making, and I've listed that as, as the fifth. And I would say that probably healthy disciple making would include all of the above, but at the heart and soul, it comes down to this, following Jesus, everyone following Jesus, and helping others to do the same. And I believe this, that like with the, the penny illustration, that when we're doing that over time, the gospel will literally explode to the ends of the earth. So when I get overwhelmed with, oh, the ends of the earth, I can't even comprehend that. I, what I can comprehend is get up today, follow Jesus. I can comprehend that. I can also comprehend along the way, I want to encourage someone else to be able to do the same. I can do that. So that is our conviction. So how do we accomplish that as far as being mobilized uh, as, a, as a church family? And I would call this the scope and sequence. What is the scope and sequence? So th those of you who have been in, of course, builders or projects, you think of, okay, now, what, what is the scope? What is the sequence? The order of things that we do? And I think that when I go back to the text and just look at Matthew 28, where he says, make disciples of all nations, that's a, a big, that's a big responsibility. Make disciples of all nations. And that is given to us. How do we do that? So the next text that I, that I like to point to is Acts 1.8, and we'll put it up there as well. And, and this is following the Gospels. You have uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John that, that are really, it's one Gospel, four different accounts of it. But at the end of the Gospel, Jesus has ascended into heaven, and now the church begins. And we find that in Acts, it describes how it's going to take place. And here's how it's described. This is, these words are from Jesus. But you will receive power. He's speaking through um, angels as he's ascended into heaven. And is speaking particularly here to his disciples. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And then he ascended, and that's when the angel says, why are you standing here gazing? <laughs> the same Jesus which was taken you into heaven will so come in like manner as you've seen him go into heaven. So here is how it, it uh, plays out. 
And there are really, if you, if you look at that verse, and I'm going to show you something else here in a moment, but you have, you have four words, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth. There's four. That's really kind of the, the scope and sequence of the gospel going out. The first one, Jerusalem, is local. Local. That is Lafayette. That's here. That's Sunday morning. And you think about this. We're, we're just like a drop in the ocean of what God's doing. Did you ever think of that? And even, even in Boulder Valley, we're just a very small group of believers. But the potential, the exponential impact of us doing things the way that Christ has described them can be felt around the world. So local would be here uh, with these believers. And, and we talked last week about being a disciple, discipling someone else, it may be that, that you go up to someone who's 10 years older than you and you say, you know what, I've been watching your life and uh, I feel like I could really learn a lot from you. Could we have coffee? As easy as that. You don't have to say, can we go through a book together? No, I just have some questions. could be someone else, another gal here in, in the church. You say, you know, we're kind of at the same stage of life. We're going through the same struggles. Can we let's just get together and pray together and talk together? Or it could be a younger person that you see you kind of smile when you look at the, the struggles they're going through. Not that you'll see them struggle, but you say, you know, I remember that. <laughs> I remember that. And not that you've got it down to perfection, but there's a lot you could do to encourage that younger person. There are younger people than us. You can look back and say, I could give a word of encouragement or help. It's not a perfect experience, but I can, I can do that. And we can learn from investing in people. But then there's also what I would call our local Jerusalem is Lafayette and unbelievers, building relationships with unbelievers. Now, here's what happens, I think. A lot of times we we come to Christ, we start going to church, and back in the day when it was Sunday school, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, Thursday night visitation, men's breakfast, all we do is with church people. So slowly... We lose all of our relationships with unbelievers. You know what I'm talking about? And then you say, well, who are you praying for to see come to Christ? Well, see, I don't think think I know anybody. Uh, You start grasping for things because we feel like somehow it's wrong or bad to have a relationship with someone who's not a Christian. We need that. We need that. Our Jerusalem means, in, in what ways could I connect? And sometimes I advise, you know, what's a hobby you enjoy? What's, what's something, whether climbing mountains, riding bikes, uh, playing golf, bowling, uh, I mean, any, any kind of thing you could do. And in Colorado, people do a lot of stuff. What could you do to, to get into that environment, to build some relationships, to have people over for dinner? You know, we get all stressed out about should we pray or not pray? Or, you know, I mean, before the and so we don't. We we're very comfortable with our family, our home, and our church. And we have a responsibility for. And I pray that God would break our hearts for Boulder Valley, from here all the way to the Flatirons. There are people that need Christ. There are college students that need Christ, and and we can tend to become isolated from that. So this is one of the things that we need to do, our, our local responsibility. So I, I'd say build relationships with unbelievers, spend time with unbelievers, build bridges with unbelievers, start praying for 
them to come to Christ. Secondly is regional in the front range. We could, I'd say regional probably be like when they talked about the region of Judea. That's how it's described in Acts 1.8. Judea would, would be all the way down from the Dead Sea up to Galilee. It would be that whole region. So it would be like from Fort Collins down to Colorado Springs or Pueblo. So you, you've got this whole area. Well, that's a bit overwhelming too. But one of the things that I've really wanted to do as a pastor is to connect with other pastors, other ministries. We are not the only people here. I, I, I know some people, we, we went to the city. Some people say, I went to Boulder because there's no other church in Boulder. I thought, hello. And there's probably not another church just like yours, but that's probably a good thing. <laughs> God's using a lot of people everywhere. And it's time that we pray for these other churches, not look at them as competition. If they are believers, you say, well, they don't do it the way we do it. Maybe they're an attractional model or an educational model or a social model, but they're preaching the gospel. Then they are our friends. They are, they are working together. We pray for them. We help them. And so this last week, I'd spent two days with a, a group called the SEND Network, S-E-N-D, SEND Network, and two days of assessing uh, potential church planting couples coming to Colorado. There, there were six couples um, from various places in the country, and, and all, several of us, probably 30 of us that experienced people, were evaluating their readiness. I thought, I, I wish I would have had that when I started. Um, you know, and helping them and, and helping create paths and, and looking strategically at this front range area, how can we reach together this area? This is, is our region. Then he moves on to cross-cultural. And, and that, that, I would, that I would say uh, something else I've, I've learned. It may be in our region, but it's not in our wheelhouse. In other words, you've got uh, pastors that I've been meeting with, too, along with this SEND network that are pastoring Vietnamese churches, Korean churches, uh, Filipino churches. Uh, it's almost every nation in the world and people group in the world. They're in Colorado. Do you know that? But, but a lot of times, we're not, not aware of that. And I'm probably not going to be the guy to reach them. But their own people can reach them. And, and we're, we have right now young Asian men that want to reach their people. People from Africa are re- reaching our groups. And so what can we do as a church to encourage, to help, to support them in what they're doing? That's an important part. And then finally, global. This is when we get outside of our, our region, our cross-cultural context to the ends of the earth. And that's a little bit of what we heard this morning. Last week we heard from Cherith, uh, one of our own church members, a uh, young lady. Uh, she's not here today, uh, but she's going to Zambia to, to reach the deaf. And so we get to be, I mean, she asked us to be her sending church. I'm thinking, you know, we're thinking, we're not a big church, but you know what? I, we've, we've owned this with her. It's been very exciting uh, for Cherith. We also have Jonathan and Sarah uh, Farmer in Indonesia, uh, Tim and Marcy in Durango with, with helping troubled young people from the Denver area with the, the camp Crossbar X. And then we have Ross in Budapest with crew launching campus ministries through North Africa and Europe. So it doesn't mean that we all go to the ends of the earth. But we are connected, 
and we pray for them. This is, this is how we fulfill this great commission. We pray for them. We support them financially as we're able to. We minister to the needs. We help bear the burdens, and we provide encouragement to them in every way that we can. So we come back to this word disciple. And, and I want you, if, if, there's, if there's one word, one word that, that we could put out, and, and we probably don't put it out uh, to the world because they don't understand what it means. It's, it's, it's like one of those words that, okay, I need a real modern vernacular word like mentoring or I need a word like um, apprentice. But none of those words really get the job done. So this is kind of an in-house word for us, but we understand what it means. It means this, number one, following Jesus. And that's where we have to begin. And my prayer is this, that, that that as we ask that question, are you following Jesus? Are you growing in your faith every day? Because I think this is really the, the measure of success. See, we could, we could judge our success by how many people we had Sunday. A lot of times pastors get together, how many did you have on Sunday? How many did you, how many did you, you know, what were your offerings? You know, the, the number and the offerings and the size of your building that's not what we're looking for. When he says, go make disciples of all nations, the measure is how many disciples? Are you following Christ? Second question is, are you encouraging others to do the same? Are you helping them? And if you are a believer and you're following Christ, you can encourage someone else. You say, well, I'm going to wait till I get my act together. Well, Hello, that'll be in heaven, right? How many times do we wait to do what we ought to do because we just want to get everything in order? Uh, it's like me. I said I, I want to go. I'm going to wait to go see the doctor because I know he's going to check check everything. I'm going to wait until I'm healthy. <laughs> uh, it, it's not what we do. You can follow Christ. You can follow Jesus, and you can encourage someone else to do the same. As we said, it starts with your kids. It moves on to the place where you work, to your family, to your church, to everyone else. And then, third question, are we really engaged in sharing the responsibility to the ends of the earth? And I think that, that part is more prayer, financial support, but, but thinking of ways that we can help other people. My prayer is this, that we have our church is a healthy church in the sense that we have followers of Christ who are helping others to follow Christ. And I believe this, that incredible things can happen. You know, I've been praying since I've been here, been back to Colorado of just a, a, a sweeping work of God through Boulder Valley. I know some people say, that's never going to happen. Have you been to Boulder? I've, I've been to Boulder. I love, I love this place. My prayer, and, and the, the, how is the Lord going to do that? How is it going to do that? One life at a time. One life at a time. Start, starting with your life, and your life impacting one other life. I can say that all of my life has been shaped by people that have, that have encouraged me along the way. And we can start doing that and continue doing that. Let's bow together as we pray.
Father, we thank you this morning for your word and the clarity of it and how easy it is for us to drift to lesser things, to different agendas, to grand schemes and ideas. Lord, I pray that we would see the simplicity of these words. Follow me. And the fact that you give us everything that we need by your grace to follow you, to know you intimately, to walk with you, to enjoy you. And that, Lord, we can encourage others to do the same, to help them. And I pray that we would. I pray that we would embrace this. And whether or not we have job satisfaction in our temporary jobs here on earth, that we would have a deep satisfaction in the job we have from you. Whatever context you've placed us in, we'd wake up and see that my, my greatest work to do today is to follow you and help others follow you. We pray you give us the grace 